Good morning, faithful listener. You are listening to the Bible Explained podcast, where the Bible gets explained. So grab your cup of coffee and stay tuned as we read through the book of Deuteronomy. Welcome to a new week, faithful listeners. I hope you had a great weekend and that you got lots of rest and relaxation and are nice and refreshed and ready to study scripture with me this morning. So let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 6 through 16. Now, what's really crazy is that Easter is less than a month away. And so it is just around the corner. So if you need an Easter gift for a child that you know, or if you would like to do an Easter devotional yourself, check out my Alive Coloring Devotionals. I have one for adults and I have one for children. Obviously, the one for children is just less in depth with uh, nice, simpler coloring pages and simpler devotionals. But anyway, check those out. They are linked in the bio of this podcast episode. But let's go ahead and read Deuteronomy 24 verses 6 through 16 today. I will be reading out of the W.E.B. Please feel free to grab your Bible out of the version that you prefer and also your cup of coffee. Or if you're drinking tea this morning, for whatever reason, you would ever do that, then uh, grab your cup of tea instead. I uh, I w- told you guys recently that I was on a tea kick. Yeah, that, that didn't last very long. I'm, I'm back to coffee. I'm sorry. I, I just don't like tea. <laughs> I always feel like I do. I always feel like, oh, this tea is good. And then I end up drinking it for a while. But then I just get sick of it. And I just want to go back to coffee. And I always end up going back to coffee. I don't know why. It's just coffee is my my beverage of choice all day, actually. I would drink coffee all day if I could. I like coffee that much. All right, guys, once again, Deuteronomy 24, 6 through 16. And this time I'm actually going to start reading. No man shall take the mill or the upper millstone as a pledge, for he takes a life in pledge. If a man is found stealing any of his brothers of the children of Israel, and he deals with him as a slave or sells him, then that thief shall die. So you shall remove the evil from among you. Be careful in the plague of leprosy that you observe diligently, and do according to all that the Levitical priests teach you. As I commanded them, so you shall observe to do. Remember what Yahweh your God did to Miriam, By the way, as you came out of Egypt, when you lend your neighbor any kind of loan, you shall not go into his house to get his pledge. You shall stand outside and the man to whom you lend shall bring the pledge outside to you. If he is a poor man, you shall not sleep with his pledge. You shall surely restore him the pledge when the sun goes down that he may sleep in his garment and bless you. It shall be righteousness to you before Yahweh your God. You shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers or one of the foreigners who are in your land within your gates. In his day you shall give him his wages. Neither shall the sun go down on it, for he is poor and sets his heart on it, lest he cry against you to Yahweh and it be sin to you. The fathers shall not be put to death for the children, neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. So these are just a bunch of various laws that we're going to discuss today, but all of them kind of give us a bigger picture of who God is. So they're very important to learn. There is definitely something we can take away from all of these today. So verse six says, no man shall take the mill or the upper millstone as a pledge for he takes a life in a pledge. So actually there are two pledge laws mentioned in this portion we read today. This is the first one. So if you guys know what like a millstone is 
I, I can think of what it looks like, like an old fashioned, like really old fashioned millstone. It was like two giant round stones that would like roll over each other and that would, you know, crush down whatever was in that mill. And uh, yeah, I mean, the millstone was a way for somebody to make money, obviously. It was a mill. So God says that if a man is poor and needs to give you a pledge of some sort, don't take his millstone or you don't even take the upper portion of his millstone because he needs that to survive. And if you take that from him, you're taking away his entire life. So that's silly to take away his millstone. Even if that's the only thing that he has, you don't take that away. Now, a pledge is basically like collateral, like a promise that you're going to pay the lender back. That's kind of the idea of this pledge here. So if the millstone couldn't be given as a pledge or rather the person's way of making an income, I don't think that this necessarily had to be a millstone, but like anything that this person did to make a living to survive, I would guess would not be allowed to be taken away as collateral against the person. So what could be used as a pledge? So I'm going to actually skip a few verses and jump down to verse 10 and I'll continue talking about the pledge. So it says in verse 10, when you lend your neighbor any kind of loan, you shall not go into his house to get his pledge. So in other words, you can't just like enter somebody's house to get the collateral. The person would have to bring it out to you. So you would stand outside and wait for the person to come and bring you the pledge. Chances are the person who was taking the loan from you was extremely poor, extremely poor. So he likely did not have much to give the lender as a pledge. So chances are he would give his outer cloak, his coat or a blanket or something like that as a pledge. And so it says here that when the poor man brings the pledge outside, you shall not sleep with his pledge. So in other words, you don't just take home his cloak and use it yourself. You shall surely restore to him the pledge when the sun goes down. So every single night until that loan was paid off by this poor man, you bring his pledge back to him and let him use it every night. Because here's what it says, that he may sleep in his garment and bless you. It shall be righteousness to you before Yahweh your God. The lender doing this was actually a good thing for two reasons. The first reason was that it would be righteousness before God to treat the poor with respect. The second thing was that the poor man would bless the lender. And obviously this would be a good thing for the lender as <laughs> if somebody was praying for him and blessing him. God doesn't pay attention to the prayers of the rich more than the prayers of the poor. He pays attention to all prayers because all people are created in his image, regardless of their economic standing in the community. But let's go back up to verse seven here. If a man is found stealing any of his brothers of the children of Israel and he deals with him as a slave or sells him, then that thief shall die. So you shall remove the evil from among you. I do believe that this um, this verse was mentioned elsewhere, maybe in Exodus, that man stealing was an act punishable by death. So kidnapping or man stealing. And obviously the reason for this is because a person should not be sold into slavery after being kidnapped. So anybody that goes around kidnapping people to sell them into slavery 
according to the Old Testament, God says that that person should be put to death. My sister and I were actually just talking about human trafficking today, as weird as that is. We we were having a phone conversation, and she was mentioning that her area is really bad sometimes. And actually, even where I live, my area is also really, really bad for human trafficking also. And America is one of the top countries that partakes in human trafficking. And my area is really, really bad because I'm pretty close to the Canadian border where I'm at. A lot of times people get smuggled into Canada and stuff and then you lose trace of them. So it's it's really bad. Actually, I had to, when I was a hairdresser, I had to go through human trafficking training because one of the things that human traffickers do is that they'll bring the girls that they kidnap into the salons and force them to sit there and force them to... Uh, change their hairstyle so that they're not recognizable anymore. And so we were trained to watch out for human trafficking and human traffickers. And it's just just really scary and it's really creepy. And uh, there was a sting operation that happened nearby not too long ago where like 20 human traffickers were caught in my area. And also the Walmart near me had like some weirdo in a white truck that was trying to kidnap mothers and young girls. And it's just like, what in the world? So, yeah, I mean, human trafficking is the modern day slavery. And God makes it very clear that uh, kidnapping people is an act punishable by death. Unfortunately, here in the American legal system, we don't often have the death penalty. But I do think that uh, for kidnapping children and women and selling them, and selling them as slaves in any form whatsoever. I do believe that this is something that America should be tougher on, but kind of are not. But moving forward to verse eight, it says, be careful in the plague of leprosy and observe diligently and do according to all that the Levitical priests teach you. Then it says, as I commanded them, so you shall observe to do. So God says in leprosy specifically, cases involving leprosy, do everything the Levitical law tells you to do, do everything that the Levitical priests tell you to do. Because leprosy was really bad, especially back in these days, like leprosy would spread. And so obviously in the Levitical law, God gave a lot of ways to prevent leprosy and also ways to help cure leprosy potentially if there was a leprosy outbreak. So God says, be very diligent and careful when it comes to leprosy. Then in verse nine, remember what Yahweh your God did to Miriam, By the way, as you came out of Egypt, I don't know if you guys remember the story of Miriam becoming leprous. She became like white as snow and God caused her to become leprous because she had become very arrogant and was uh, speaking out against her brother Moses. Now, Miriam was a, a big fish in the Israeli camp. She was uh, well respected. I'm sure she was Moses's sister. She was a prophetess. But yet God still struck her with leprosy to humble her, but not just for that. I believe it was also to show that if somebody that's as high standing as Miriam was still had to follow the Levitical law when it came to leprosy, then certainly everyone in the camp would have to do it also. So I'm going to skip past 10 through 13 because we already talked about that. That's the part talking about the pledge of the blanket. 
Verse 14 says, you shall not oppress a hired servant who is poor and needy, whether he is one of your brothers or one of the foreigners who are in your land within your gates. In his day, you shall give him his wages. Neither shall the sun go down on it, for he is poor and he sets his heart on it, lest he cry against you to Yahweh and it be sin to you. This is kind of um, opposite to what we were just talking about regarding the pledge of the blanket. In that case, the poor man was actually blessing the lender. The, the poor man was blessing and uh, praying for the lender. And God would see that and hear that as a very good thing. But in this case, when the lender or the boss man, I suppose, would mistreat his servants, his poor servants, then the poor would cry out against his master to God. God would hear that prayer and it would be sin to the master. And God at that point would bring justice to the poor man. There's many verses later on that kind of talk about this very thing where the poor cried out to God against the, uh, the rich people of Israel because these Israelite merchants and rich wealthy people were just taking advantage of the poor people of Israel, just taking advantage of them, uh, you know, giving them terrible deals, taking their pledges without giving them back, you know, just doing all sorts of terrible things, mistreating widows and orphans and fatherless and aliens and, and everybody just mistreating the poor. And God actually said in, in those times, he said, I hear the prayers of the poor. I hear them crying out to me for justice and I am going to give them justice. I hear it. And God eventually does give them justice. This just goes to show that God listens to the prayers of everybody. He hears every single person's prayers. God says that you shall not oppress a hired servant. So this is a person who has been hired for wages now, I don't know exactly how this would work in ancient times. I don't know if the servant lived on the property or if he went home to his family or, you know, kind of just the way it is nowadays where you just go to work and then you go back home. Not sure how this played out specifically, but regardless, this man was a hired servant. And so the boss, for lack of a better word, the boss needed to pay the hired servant every single day. You shall not let the sun go down on it, is what it says. In that day, you shall give him his wages. So you were supposed to pay him. You weren't supposed to mistreat him. You weren't supposed to hold his uh, wages back because you didn't want to pay him. You weren't supposed to give him terribly hard labor and mistreat him in that way. You were supposed to treat servants with respect. They deserved respect. Everybody deserves respect. It reminds me of the verse that Jesus talks about where he says the law can be summed up by loving the Lord your God and also by loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, the last verse here, which is in some ways the most interesting verse to me, it says the father shall not be put to death for the children. Neither shall the children be put to death for the fathers. Every man shall be put to death for his own sin. So this is talking about if a wayward child who has grown up, obviously, goes and does something ridiculous, the parents aren't supposed to be punished for that and vice versa. Like if the parents are doing something terribly stupid, the child should not be punished for the parents, which unfortunately has happened throughout the years. I remember watching a movie about the Salem witch trials. <laughs> and I just remember, um, I forget the name of the movie. I don't know. I think I watched it in high school. It, it wasn't very interesting, but I do remember one specific part of that movie 
where in the Salem witch trials at the very end, the dad was supposed to be hung and uh, he was like begging people to not like take his sin out on his children, basically. And I was just like, why would why would anybody do that? But uh, that was common, you know, probably in ancient days when God gave this, that was probably very common for uh, the children to be mistreated because of what the parents did. But God makes it very clear here that every single person is responsible for his or her own actions. You can't take it out on the kids if the parents are doing something absolutely stupid. And you can't take it out on the parents if the child, who is grown up, by the way, does something horribly stupid. Maybe perhaps the parents did in some way contribute to that issue that their kids are going through as they're older, but it is every adult's choice to sin. It is every adult's choice to do their own sin. Once you become an adult, you can't blame your parents anymore. (laughs) Yeah, you can't blame your parents anymore. I cannot blame my parents for my actions today. And a lot of people do. A lot of people want to blame their parents or their grandparents who raised them for um, just the misery in their life currently. I believe very strongly that people are responsible for their own actions. I'm responsible for my own actions when I do something stupid. I am responsible for that. I have to to pay the price for that. My parents can't be blamed for that. Without twisting scripture, I'm not gonna, <laughs> I'm trying not to twist scripture here or uh, you know, add to scripture in any way, but I do believe that this could go even broader to say that um every single person chooses their own actions. Once you are an adult, you just choose what you're going to do. You can't blame somebody else for what you choose to do. You can't blame the system. You can't blame the government. You can't blame uh, your spouse or your sister or brother or parents or whoever else. You are responsible for you and I am responsible for me. And I can't, uh, as much as I would like to, I can't blame (laughs) other people when I do something stupid. And I do believe that that scripture teaches that pretty clearly that Every single person is responsible for their own sin, which is why there's so many verses about choosing Jesus, that you have to choose Jesus. You have to choose to leave your sin nature behind you. You have to choose daily to take your cross and follow Jesus. So I do think that uh, scripture is quite clear that every single person is responsible for their own sin and can't be blamed or can't put the blame on somebody else. The only verse I can think of that might be contrary to that belief I have is the verse where it says that um, if anybody causes a little child to stumble, it would be better if like a millstone were hung around their neck and they were thrown to the depths of the sea. So in that case, somebody who causes like a little child or somebody with a very weak understanding of Christianity causes them to sin. In that case, yes, it is likely the fault of the perpetrator. However, That does not mean the person that sinned is not going to be punished for that particular sin. They still sinned, but somebody who puts a stumbling block in the way of a person who is vulnerable is going to take a lot of the blame for that. But anyway, guys, we'll talk more about Deuteronomy chapter 24 on Wednesday. The the episode coming up on Wednesday is the one that I messed up on a couple weeks ago, last week actually. So once again, sorry about that if you already heard Wednesday's episode. But regardless, 
On Wednesday, I'll be talking about Deuteronomy chapter 24, verses 17 through 22, and just talking about, um, once again, just just the widows and the poor and the foreigners and everybody else that is mentioned here. So that's going to be a good episode. I encourage you guys to tune in on Wednesday. But guys, I will see you tomorrow for an episode out of John. And I hope that you guys just all have a fantastic start to your week. I'll see you tomorrow morning, bright and early, 6 a.m. or whenever you choose to wake up for an episode out of John. Happy listening and God bless.